welcome back to this episode of the Shooting Bricks podcast. And guys, what did we just watch? Because the first half was just something else. But then the second half was just completely a different animal. But before we get into all of that, as always, I'm Jerry Castillo and I'm joined by... I'm Daniel Huen. Shout out to the nation of Italia! Super Mario! Oh, yeah. uh, shout out to them for winning the Euro, uh, the Euro Cup wow. um, this, this afternoon and joining me as well. Uh, that was wild. But uh, ladies and gentlemen... We have a series. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. It's your boy, Really Real Jarrell Sales. And of course, we have a special guest with us today. Uh, Dylan Hildebrandt, right from Wisconsin. All Milwaukee, baby. <laughs> All Milwaukee, baby. How do you feel, man? 2-1. Uh, yeah, I feel great. Um, there was a little bit of lingering... Uh, I don't know. <laughs> it, it was tough because a lot of people thought uh, even around here that we were going to get swept. Um, it, you know, it, it was just surreal getting here. And I think a lot of people were kind of complacent with that fact that, you know, we got here, it's been in, since 1974. Um, but there were still people that, that were believing that, uh, this could be a series, you know, the bucks have been great at home all year. Um, obviously the Suns were going to come out and do it in Phoenix. Uh, that really wasn't ever going to be a, a question. So, uh, it's a series. We got one at home. Now, from here on out, we just have to steal one uh, steal one in Phoenix. Yeah. Let's see what happens because this is one of those series where you don't really – you can't really go wrong with who you pick, right? And, Dylan, you've been, I'm assuming, a Bucks fan your entire life. Where does this win, not the series, but this win or this run, whatever have you, rank amongst all of the, uh, all of the series you've watched in your entire life? Uh so far, uh, as far as uh, heart palpitations, this has been not as bad as the Brooklyn series. Uh, that put me right to the edge. So, so far, I mean, obviously it hasn't played out as well as uh, I'd like it to be. But I always think back to the 2019 uh, Celtics series uh, with the Bucks, and that series was phenomenal because Chris Middleton absolutely destroys the Celtics every year. So I just love to see it. Right. And also things you love to see great segue is the fact that, again, this is a 2-1 series. No one really expected this to be as much of a game as it was. And really quickly, what I mean by that is in the start, it was pretty close, right? You, ha- you had the, uh, the Suns leading the Bucks 28-25 after one with DeAndre Ayton scoring 12 early points. And he was in rare company because he joined Shaq as one of the only centers, at least in the last 20 years, to score 12 points in a single quarter in an NBA Finals game. That just goes to show how much his game has improved over time. But then from then on, it was just bucks, 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 bucks. Because in the second quarter, the Bucks outscored the Suns 35-17. The third quarter, it was just a landslide from there. Even though the Suns did get it down to four, midway or towards the end of the third quarter where there was kind of like a little push right there was that push and we thought it was going to be at least for me i don't know about you guys i thought it was going to be more of a okay this is what we saw in game in the previous games the bucks made a push and then this you know the suns had their counter but it didn't end up that way because Giannis was just incredible dude like to end the third quarter, they went on, the Bucks went on a 16-0 run. And even though the Suns shot 12 of 19, they still lost a quarter by seven. That's incredible. And 
Obviously, we talk about Giannis. His free throw shooting was phenomenal this game. In the third quarter alone, he went 8 of 9, and the Bucks hit 10 of 11 overall in the third quarter where they separated themselves. And we don't really need to talk about the fourth because it was just a, a, you know, a destruction from then on. But, guys, I posit the question to you. What in this game stood out? Was it Giannis's improved free throw shooting because he started, you know, speeding up his process? Was it the fact that, you know, Chris Middleton, he started initiating the offense more and the Suns that seemingly didn't have an answer for that? Or was it the fact that the others, you know, Drew Holiday and, you know, Bobby Portis even started getting into the flow of things and started making things happen? What do, what do you think, Daniel? Uh. I'm just going to say right now the, the Bucks had a great night. What stood out to me the most was not really Giannis. Uh, I think Giannis had a phenomenal tonight, a phenomenal night tonight, but it was the supporting cast around him. Uh, early on in the series and the first two games, the the you know the supporting cast was around Giannis was you know let's be honest it was piss poor. Um, that was not the case tonight. They fed off the home crowd energy as expected. I actually predicted uh, before going into this game that Milwaukee would win this game. Uh, they're going into a you know friendly place, and of course I was right. And but in that process. And, you know, the most positive thing I could take out of the supporting cast came to help Giannis um, tonight. And and as expected, the results were was a Milwaukee victory. Fair enough. Um, I think the biggest thing to take away from here, much of what Daniel said, the supporting cast, but it's just that ball movement. Um, I also want to point out what Giannis did because Giannis finally realizes who he is. We don't need you taking two, three threes a game. If exactly. anything, one just to, you know, test it out. But understand that you're the biggest, most athletic person on that court. I don't care who's in front of you, especially if it's on the Suns team. They can't guard you, my guy. So when you do that, you start getting other players involved. And Chris Middleton and Giannis Antetokounmpo are the main facilitators, the main people that are, are handling the ball, you, you're putting yourself in a better position here. So that confidence with that ball movement, getting people involved early, and the way that Giannis was attacking the Suns team, that's all that stood out to me in this game. Yeah, and Dylan, before you hop in here, something that I just kind of did the math on. So in that pivotal third quarter, right, Giannis was the only big seemingly on the court. And you talk about distributing and all that. The Sun or the Suns, the Bucks had 28 assists on 43 made field goal attempts for get this, 65% of their shots were assisted. So that just goes to show like once Giannis is the main big, which I think should be the case moving forward, I think they have much more success. But go ahead, Dale. Uh, Dylan, sorry. Yeah, uh, I think to both of your points, the the ball movement was fantastic. Uh, you know, they really tried to get everyone involved right away, which, you, you know, sometimes uh, I think in the first two games especially, uh, and a lot of times in um, in the Brooklyn series as well, they, they like to, for some reason, get into this hero ball thing where they just try to drive and they kick everyone out and they, they don't really try to run an offense. And that's kind of what you saw in the first quarter tonight. They, they kind of just meandered through, like I had mentioned, and, and they would, they, they were a little flat. Uh, Chris Middleton kind of got them, you know, a little bit jump-started there. But once the ball movement really picked up, then they were able to get open looks. Um, you know, they were a little bit I – would, I would say they weren't very flexible in their decision-making right away, and that's kind of where that hero ball came in. But once they were – you know, they settled down, uh, they knocked down a couple shots, uh, you know, they were, they were really able to push the pace. And, and I think it – I mean, it was huge when Aiden, you know, Aiden went out, they were going to – they got to go to that small ball, you know, and Giannis at the five is, is unreal. You know, 
like like you said, he is the most athletic person on the court, and and really the only one that sits and bangs with him is is Jay Crowder, and you saw in the third and fourth quarter that you know he's able to put the moves on and get by him. So, yeah, I would say ball movement and you know just being lethal in transition, you know, getting getting out in front of the defense and and, and making plays fast. Right. Yeah, some and Showtime uh, plays in that third quarter. Yeah. Hell yeah! Uh, three man weed passing. Okay, bro. That I mean nice. that. That really was. I mean, that's kind of the the style of basketball you would you would expect from a Budenholzer led team, but we just haven't seen it these last few rounds, not just these last few games. And we talked about Daniel and I talked about how there have been like incremental adjustments being made, right, in previous pods. But what do you think moving forward, you know, Coach Bud needs to do to keep this level of play? Because we've seen it before. There have been times when Milwaukee will have a good game and then they'll kind of revert back to, like you said, Dylan, the hero ball kind of mentality where it's just give me the ball, everyone just stand around, wait until like, you know, 19 seconds are gone and then try and shoot it. Yeah, it's killer when they do that, you know, they do that. You know, there's a lot of disparity. They they sit there, they let everyone just sit on the outside and someone drives or takes a bad shot. Or they come down and they kill their momentum and their transition when someone comes down, there's 18 seconds left on the shot clock and someone's hucking up a three without anything set. It's one of it's one or the other a lot of the time. And I think, you know, they they just need to settle and, and play the ball that, you know, they know they can play, especially with Drew coming up, facilitating, not letting Giannis just get it at the top of the key and saying, hey, man, go for it. Yeah. This is all we got, you know, keep everyone involved. I mean, the more I think about it, it's just like, you know, Mike Budenholzer comes from that, from that Spurs system where it, it like the main emphasis of those Spurs systems are ball movement. Like, just move the ball around. I think that's what the Bucks have to do. Like, stop with this whole, and like what Dylan said, this hero ball bullshit. Just stop with the isolationism. Move the ball. Just remember that basketball is a team sport and that everyone, not just your star player, has to be involved from your, from your Bobby Portis's, like what we saw tonight. Chris Middleton, they all exist. There's other players than Giannis. They just have to remember that. And if they can remember that, there's a the Bucks have, in my opinion, a fighting chance to make this a series. A fighting chance. Okay. Well, probably one of the things that helped out with that fighting chance is the fact that Drew Holiday played well. Was there anything in particular that you guys saw that kind of helped attribute to him playing better in game three as opposed to game games one and two? Because when I was looking back at the film for game games one and two, a lot of it was just a lot of his, I guess the plays run for him weren't necessarily plays run for him, if that makes sense. I mean, they were ran for him, but they didn't put him in, you know, positions to succeed. In this game, a lot of the movement was, or a lot of the plays were focused on Giannis, therefore allowing Drew to be more, I guess, open and more free because so much attention was diverted to Giannis. Yeah, uh, I believe it's key moments that you want to be aggressive. I think that's what was the issue. Uh, game two, Drew Holiday just came out there aggressive like he was Kyrie Irving and James Harden, like he was just going to easily score 25 points. But you got to pick and choose your moments. And Drew Holiday is more than capable of doing that because this is the position, this is the role he's had on every team he's been on. He's not a number one option. He's not, no, not a number two option. At best case scenario, he's a number three option. So I think that's what stood out to in this game. He's always going to bring it on the defensive end. Um, and just to piggyback off of the question that was asked uh, uh, before you just asked this question about the changes that Budenholzer should make, um, just pound the paint, you know. You have to know what your identity is. You know, the Bucks are trying to um, 
mirror the formula of, you know, let's shoot a lot of threes, like let's surround Giannis with three point shooters. And of course that's okay to have them. You know, you have Brooke Lopez, you have Brent Forbes, but their key thing is getting into that paint. And you saw it in game three, they dominate in the paint. Bobby Portis, Brooke Lopez, they have the size, Giannis. Uh, why not do that? The threes are going to come, but if they can't stop you in the paint, keep getting to the free throw line. I don't care if Giannis shoots two for 10, you still got somebody in foul trouble. So that's what the Bucks need to do. Hone in on what's their, with what's their strengths, which is being able to bully any opposing team in the paint because they are, they are long and they're, they're capable of doing that and just locking in on the defensive end. Yeah, and to your point, the Bucks outscored the Phoenix Suns 54-40 in points in the paint. So, obviously, there's something there. Fast break points obviously goes to Milwaukee, 16-6. to The biggest lead, obviously, 25, uh, as opposed to Phoenix's 6. And basically, everything that points off turnovers, too, 17-10 to in favor of the Bucks. So, once that defense starts clamping down, and this is one of the things that I mentioned prior to the series, is that there's so many lengthy defenders on the Bucks right? That just stifles people. I mean, if you were going up against Drew Holiday and then behind him, you have PJ Tucker, uh, what's his face, Chris Middleton, Giannis, and then Brooke Lopez. Like that's a murderer's row of people you got to get through in order to score one friggin' basket, dude. Like I would hate to be whoever's like Devin Booker shot poorly this game. He shot, I think, let me see. He shot friggin' like, he was like three for 14. Something Three for like 14. That. Yeah, exactly. Not, Thank you for that. Not the best shooting nights for D-Book. Uh, the past two games haven't been pretty for D-Book. Yeah, and so in that regard then, what do you think the Suns need to do to get another win? Because this game, games one and two, pretty good. Games, This game was just horrific for D-Book and probably the Suns as a whole if you want to extend it that far. I mean, first of all, I mean, I'll get the conversation started first. I think what the Suns need to do in this game, I'm not worried about this game. Um, this, this, I think this was expected to happen. They were going to go into a hostile road environment. And, you know, when you're in a hostile road environment, it throws your game off. Uh, shooters, you know, pre- like hot shooters like Devin, w- once they get thrown into these hostile environments, they're, you know, they're, they're going to expect them to have poor shooting nights. So what's gonna hap- what's gonna happen happen the next game? They're just gonna have to adjust to the to their environments around them, and and most importantly, D book has to show up in this game. Uh, D book is a central part of this offense. He's got to step up. I think his I think the rest of the team ha- has been have stepped up around him during this game, and that's an encouraging sign. Encouraging sign. So I think it's it the Suns don't exactly have to adjust much. They just they just need to they just need to you know players to do a little bit better. And and be more and be more urgent. Yeah, yeah. Uh, go ahead, Dylan. I'll, I'll I'll go after you. Sure. Um, I think right away that you know they were killing the pick and roll. I mean, DeAndre Ayton had whatever he wanted and more right away. Um, and I think that you know the Bucks are really collapsing hard really early, and I think that's what you know was really kind of killing them there. But once they you know they weren't crashing so hard, you know, on that pick and roll, they were able to you know stifle some of those passes and make them have to kick it out. So, you know, I think, you know, a, a lot of it comes down to book being able to shoot because they came out tonight and they were pros, you know, they, they led the first quarter. They looked yeah. great. And I was sitting there and I was like, like this is going to happen. <laughs> I was like, this cannot happen, you know? And, and it just started to get that feel of, you know, they they were going to take it. And, you know, once the bucks kind of settled, it was okay. But I think, you know, Aiton getting in a foul trouble was absolutely huge. You know, it let yes, the Bucks go. Yes, absolutely. And that, I mean, that was enormous because he had what four, 
By 16 points. The, or, first yeah, half. He had 16 points at half. And then I think he got his fourth foul early in the third. Yeah. And they had, hey, you have to sit him, you know? And, and I think that that hurt them a lot because obviously, you know, not saying that he's really a, a Giannis stopper. Cause I think that's, that's Jay Crowder's job, but they missed him in the pick and roll. And, and that was absolutely soul crushing. So mm-hmm. there's that. And, you know, I think they just got to stay out of foul trouble. And, and like you said, settle into that, that foreign environment. That's, that's big time. Yeah. Go ahead, you. Yeah. We, we need Devin Booker to embrace this, just like how Trey Young embraced it all uh, playoffs long. You are the villain. You know, you did it to the Lakers. Who did they play in the second round? They did it to the Nuggets and then they did it to the Clippers. So this isn't foreign for him. You've been here before. He's not just a shooter. Daniel said he's a shooter, you know, that, that messes with your mind. But he also said that he's a central part of the Suns team. With that being said, you have to find a way to make your impact on this game. You are not a role player, Devin Booker. And if the Suns win the finals, that's, this is going to be a main reason why Devin Booker's not in the conversation for finals MVP. He ain't ready yet. He's still young. You know what I'm saying? He's still molding and becoming into a leader himself. But you got to figure out how to get to the free throw line. You got to figure out how to facilitate. There has to be other ways. You, you, you're, a, you're an all-star caliber player now, right? You want to be an all-NBA player, and that's why you got to impact the game and other aspects. But much to what Dylan just said, uh, DeAndre Ayton, not only does he need to stay out of foul trouble, he needs to stop acting weak. In my opinion, he's not being the, the swole. He looks like freaking David Robinson back in the 90s. You know what I'm saying? You're built mm-hmm. like that. You have to play like you're big. Jay Crowder cannot be the hardest, toughest dude on the court um, when you are 6'11", 7 foot, 250. So he misses a lot of opportunities. Although he, he has 16 points by a halftime, I feel like he can be so much better and so much more of a dominant factor um, if he would – play a little bit more intensely or in the, in the words of Monty Williams play more forceful. So I think those are the two biggest things. All the other role players, they're pretty much doing what they've been doing all playoffs long. So it's really going to be up to Devin Booker. Like you guys said, not, not just his shooting, but just getting, making an impact on the game, regardless if he's a, having a bad shooting night and he's shooting bricks, shout out to the shooting bricks podcast hey, or and Deandre Ayton being forceful. Yeah. And going back to your point about Devin Booker being forceful, he only had two assists, and he went he went to the line five times. He made two, three of them. So, obviously, his offensive game wasn't going the way he wanted to. But, yeah, I agree with your point. He needs to be forceful in other ways. He's not known as a defensive player, but at least make some sort of effort. Like Because there have been times when he just went under the, the pick and Drew would just pull up or something, right? You would... If you're in the situation in the finals, you can't just go under every single pick and hope whoever is going to, you know, shade or whatever. This is the NBA finals. You need to fight through every single screen. You need to fight through every every pick, every everything, because it's this is a game where one one possession can determine what happens for the rest of the game. And I think that's something Devin Booker still needs to learn. People liken him to Kobe Bryant, but the thing is, when Kobe played, if he's having an off night offensively, <laughs> he's gonna chew your friggin' face off, dude, on defense. Exactly. So, I mean, be hey, legendary, sure, but you you just made me realize another thing that the Bucks uh, need to continue to do. And I know we were talking about the Suns, but let's let's give the Bucks their credit. Let's give them their due diligence for what they did in Game mm-hmm. Three. They need to play smart. And, and find the mismatch because it happens. But I know in this game, there's often times when Giannis was hot and they were forcing the ball to Bobby Portis. Find your mismatches. And that's how you can capitalize on, on getting these buckets. So, yeah, just wanted to throw I, that out there. I know exactly what play you're talking about, too, is, is when Jeff Teague's coming down and he's trying to dish it to, you know, yeah. with Torrey Craig. It's like, what? Yep. Giannis, 
Giannis is going, give me the ball. Feed him when, he, when he's got it. As soon as Aiton went out and Jay Crowder, you know, he, he figured out Jay Crowder, you know, in, in the middle of the third. He's like, I'm just going to keep beating the hell out of him. Don't give the ball to anyone else. Exactly. exactly. Nothing. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think throwing it real quick, throwing it way back is what Bud needs to do. Bud needs to keep Jeff Teague on the damn bench. <laughs> <laughs> that guy has no reason to be on the floor at any point. Love Jeff oh. Teague. Love Jeff Teague like nine years ago. Unless, of course, <laughs> it's a game like this where the game is over in the third quarter. Yeah, that's the only time he should play. It's garbage time. Sorry, Jeff uh-huh. Teague. We love you, Jeff Teague. Hopefully you're listening to the podcast, but it's just fair. I mean, yeah. it's fair. Gotta but... know you're wrong, man. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's actually a good segue because we're talking about adjustments and knowing your role. Well, because DeAndre Ayton was in foul trouble, whenever Frank Kaminsky was in there, and G, you were talking about David Robinson, people being you know built like tanks, Frank the tank, he just got annihilated every single time he was on the floor. Like I, the Dario Sarge injury, I thought it would be like not a huge deal, but knowing how much more mobile Dario Saric is and how much more offensively, I don't want to say gifted, but like offensively capable Dario Saric is compared to Frank the Tank. I think, you know, Monty Williams has a lot of decisions coming, moving forward with regards to if he's even playable, right? I don't know if that's just me, but what do you nah, think? <laughs> I, I agree with you. I'm sorry I'm jumping the gun here, but I agree with you. They freaking demolished him. Like, I don't need, you talk about Jeff Teague not playing for the Bucks. Sons, y'all better off not playing him. You know, <laughs> they got that rookie. I forget what his name is, but he wears the goggles. You're better off throwing Jalen Smith. You're better off throwing Jalen Smith out there to see what he can do because Frank Kaminsky is bar, they are eating him alive. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, all, I'm all there with you, Jerry. I would love to hear what Daniel and Dylan have to say about that. <laughs> uh I think the you know missing Darius Arch kind of hurts more than I expected but Monty Williams has has been coaching this team well all season long he's gotten his team from a mentality standpoint to figure things out and I think he's done pretty well on the X's and O's standpoint so um it's this injury hurts but I actually it's still in my mind it doesn't really hurt the Suns chances in my opinion of ultimately winning the series so I think Monty Williams will it, remember, it's just one game. This is this is the first game on the road in a hostile environment. It's also game three of the NBA Finals. You're you, it's most of the time you're going to have two of the best teams in the league going up against each other. The other side's going to win one eventually. The losing side always wins ones ev- eventually for you know majority of the time. So uh, Monty Williams, he'll figure this out. The Suns team will survive without Dario Sarge, even though. I would, you know, if I'm Monty Williams, I prefer him to have him on the floor. I'm not worried. I'm just not worried. It's right. one game, everyone. One Ooh. game. All right. One game and going, baby. <laughs> it's it's one game in the NBA Finals. There's no time for, you know, we have to make adjustments. Just that small sample size, if I'm the coach, I'm sorry. Frank, you know, I'm not, I don't know. That's just me. Watching him was watching him at Wisconsin. It was really no different. I mean, he was fantastic, but it was also in the the Big Ten, which you know, great Power Five conference, but certainly not the NBA Finals. You know, so he was never really known for for being a so much of a presence. I mean, he was drafted as what well, a stretch five, really to kind of just shoot. Yeah, I mean, he's not even doing that. So exactly. <laughs> I don't know what he's doing out there. He should take an Uber just back to the hotel. They can yeah. hang out. Right. But 
we have a, a few minutes here before we wrap things up. So last thing here, we talk about we talked briefly about Jay Crowder, and he's such a hit or miss player, literally a hit or miss player. So quick thoughts on his game tonight because he had what was it? He had eighteen points, going six of seven from three. Um, Jay Crowder, in in my opinion, he's a valuable member of this team. And he's part of the reason why I think this Suns team is it's inevitable. Um, the Phoenix Suns are going to become the 2021 NBA champions. Um, Milwaukee had a great night tonight, but can they do it consistently? No. Um, we saw we've seen this all postseason long, from the Brooklyn series to the Hawks series. They've this this Milwaukee team has good nights and they have really bad nights. Phoenix, on the other hand, because of people like Jay Crowder, they have strong, consistent. Po- good postseason performances all season long, and it's kind of it kind of shows you that you know M- Monty Williams is a superior coach to Mike Budenholzer. This this the Suns team has the advantage all around. It, it's Suns and six. I'm sticking by it. I expect Game Four to be very close, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Suns pull out. Okay, G, go ahead. Yeah, pull out indeed. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I had to. That was just an easy setup there. But uh, did you say consistency out of Jay Crowder? Hmm. Consistent. Uh, I don't know. Jared made a great point. We saw him in the on the Heat. We saw him with the Cavaliers, and now with the Suns. He's not. He's streaky. He's a streaky shooter. And I mean, when he goes, and when he goes off, the Suns don't do well. So maybe he needs to go zero for nine <laughs> for them to win a game. Because I mean, I mean, it looked good. He can do all the poses and everything, but. I mean, it's not translating right now. But uh, don't get me wrong. Jay Crowder is a solid piece. I'm not going to lie to you. When you uh, This offseason, I would love for him to be on the Lakers. He brings the toughness, and he's streaky. But it's 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 like a consistent streaky. You know, he can go off, but he'll have a super bad game. There's no in-between. So, But he still plays defense, and he'll still, like, give you some memeable looks at, at players. So that's all good. So I don't even know what the question was. I just kind of went off when you said he was, he was uh, consistent. I was like, wow, that just <laughs> – Basically, okay, okay. You kind of you kind of answered my individually. Yeah, you kind of answered my question there because I was just asking your guys' thoughts on Jake Crowder. But go ahead, Dylan. Yeah, uh, I mean, if there's one thing that Jake Crowder consistently does, is he shoots well against the Bucks from Cleveland to Boston to the Miami Heat. That guy shoots 112 percent from three when he play in the, <laughs> when he play in the Bucks. It's unreal. He always does it. Um, but yeah, I mean the guy. I mean the guy's got a lot of grit. He's that toughness that they really need, especially with Aiton kind of being softer on the inside. Um, you know, so he certainly brings that element. You know, he and Bobby were chirping all night to one another, and that mm-hmm. you know ultimately ended up with uh, Bobby uh, Bobby Porter, as the announcers <laughs> would say. Unreal. Um, Shout out Mike yeah, Green. Yeah, no. Uh, you know, it, 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 they give him. They give him not enough credit for what he actually means to his teams. Like yeah. he, he makes, he makes a difference Agreed. when he's out there, he makes a difference. Absolutely. Nice. And we'll see if he can make a difference in game four, but yeah. Um, before we wrap things up, any predictions? Cause Daniel, you said sons and six. What about you, G? Oh man. You know what? I'm going to go on a, I'm, I'm going to say that it's going to game seven. Um, Hell No. We're going to game seven, baby. Game hey, seven. So you, you, hey, hey, Daniel, bro. You ain't got to come for me like that. I'm not drunk. I'm not high. I'm, I'm going to say game seven, bro. I'm going to say game seven because I want this to be an amazing NBA Finals. And I think everybody's talking dirt on 
this finals, like it's just so boring and this and that. But this is NBA. This is basketball, baby. How can you find this boring? So it's going to it's going to game seven. And I'm sorry, Dylan, but I'm a Giannis fan. But I just I'm giving it to the Suns. Like I gotta give it to the Suns. There's no way. Respect, man. Respect. I respect the decisions. But you know, Daniel said before, the Bucks are consistently or inconsistent in the series with Brooklyn and Atlanta. But guess what? They won those series. So you know mm-hmm. what? As Milwaukeeans say, Bucks in six, baby. Bucks in six. <laughs> love it. Bucks in six. They're going to steal one in Phoenix. It, their their you know luck what? is going to run out. It all runs out at the end. Well, we'll talk about <laughs> luck at the very end, but I'm going to have Bucks in seven. I'm going to join Dylan. I want to see Giannis win that first chip so that people can stop saying, hey, he should go to the Mavericks or wherever else. Hell yeah. He's going to win a chip. It's probably going to be this year, but we'll see. But just a, just a one quick hitter here before we wrap things up. So we talk about luck. Well, Team Nigeria was extremely lucky because they just beat Team USA 90-87. The, the last possession of the game was horrific, especially from a team coming from the coach Popovich background with Steve Kerr, with Lloyd Pierce, going up against Mike Brown's squad with dudes from like the Miami Heat. That was completely unexpected, but hopefully if KD doesn't switch sides to Ni- Team Nigeria because they beat Team <laughs> USA. Like if yeah. that doesn't happen, I think Team USA has a really still a really good shot of winning this, uh, winning the Olympics, but yeah, um apart from that, I just want to say really quickly thanks to Dylan for hopping on. I know that you're a massive fan of the pod. And I know that, you know, whenever you have the chance, you shout us out. So really appreciate it. And we're just doing this to kind of give back to you. And so hey, no worries, man. Where can people find you? Uh, I mean, here right now. But uh, <laughs> I would say just uh, find me on Twitter at, at Del Hill uh, 42. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm around, man. Yeah. And also, you should check out his articles on Stropsy. That's right. Yeah. Good stuff over there good stuff but speaking of things that are also good don't forget to subscribe to the shooting bricks podcast and leave a review on your platform of choice it really helps us out lastly make sure to follow us on at podcast bricks on twitter at shooting bricks podcast on instagram and at the shooting bricks podcast on youtube for all the news and the video of this episode of the shooting bricks podcast and as always i'm jerry castillo and i want to thank dylan for coming on and uh, thank you for you know providing great conversation on twitter i'm daniel Wynn, and joining me as well <laughs> if that's not an indication for y'all to follow us on twitter i don't know what is dylan we're great to, we're glad to have you on the podcast i'm gonna just shoot my shot here come back on for game four regardless of the outcome <laughs> let's have you on man uh yeah. it's your boy really rail jarell selves and then one more time our guest of the day dylan hildebrandt bucks aficionado bucks aficionado bucks and six and we will see everyone else next week or next time, I should say. <laughs> <laughs>